Well, hey, everybody. My name is Richard. I'm Adam. And we're the Brew Daddies. We have a podcast called Brew Daddies. We talk about breweries. We talk about the business of brewing. We talk to brewers. We talk to owners. And we talk to patrons of brewers. You can find us on any podcatcher that you may use. Again, the name of the podcast is Brew Daddies. And we are so excited to be here at Flying Dog Brewery. This is one of our favorite breweries, one of our favorite places to come and visit. Flying Dog Brewery, as you may know, was uh, just ranked number 28 in the Brewers Association Top 50. Uh, and uh, great beers here. The overall rating for the brewery in Untapped is 3.62. I'd give it a little bit higher than that. Yeah, it's a little deceiving because a lot of the beers get a much higher ranking than that. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's way more of a, of a 3.75 uh, kind of brewery. It's definitely worth a visit. So today on Brew Daddies, we're going to be talking to some brewers, one of the brewers here. We're going to be talking to some of the folks who work a little bit more on the business end of the brewery, and we are going to be trying some fantastic beer. We're going to make it just as fun for the listeners who aren't here, we hope, as it is for us being here. So we're really glad you guys are here, and thanks for joining us. We're going to start off today by talking to Todd Kelly. Yes, sir. Gentlemen. Tell us your name and tell us your... Uh, your, your job here and... My name is Todd Kelly and I'm the pilot brewer here at Flying Dog. So basically all the new beers that we create kind of start off with me and uh, go through the development process. Excellent, what's, what's some of the beers that you've worked on most recently? Um, really any of the brew house rarities uh, are the latest that we did on our 15 barrel was the beer for the Pink Boot Society so I got to brew that with all the flying dog females that was pretty awesome um, they did a great job and you know really worked out the brew house real nice so any of our brew house rarities that that we uh, that we come out with every year you know I've been working on those um, the beer that I'm drinking is from the uh, partnership with the Maryland uh, University of Maryland Agricultural Extension Interesting. and uh, we call it field notes it's all uh, Maryland ingredients grain hops everything so this uh, was a new recipe that we that we've developed um, this year I started out at the beginning of yeah beginning of the year we've done we've done a lot with the hops this is definitely the first one that has all Maryland oh, grain okay. and everything with it too excellent so tell us a little bit about the brewing philosophy here at Flying Dog. Like, what goes into the thought process behind the beers that you guys are experimenting with and piloting, particularly in, in, in what you're doing? Well, I really think it's kind of anything goes here. Uh, we brew a lot of different styles of beer, everything from traditional to, you know, the most insane, wacky ingredients that we can put in a beer. Uh, we like to do a lot of fun things like uh, cocktail-based beers. Right now we've got the Bloody Mary on tap. We've got a mimosa beer that was this month's brew house rarity. Uh, we do a lot of, you know, really true to style stuff too, like Dogtoberfest and, um, you know, Pearl Necklace. And so it's, yeah. it just kind of comes from everywhere. That's great. What's the weirdest ingredient you ever brewed with? Weirdest? I think cucumber gets a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, one of the most challenging ones uh, that, you know, it's really easy to overdo. 
but if it's done right, I think it can come out great. So one of the uh, folks we talk to a lot in doing this are folks who are home brewers as well. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in brewing. Did you start out as a home brewer and then move into this, or did you well, just sure. go into it? Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's the uh, quintessential home brewer uh, to pro brewer story. My wife and kids got me a homebrew kit years ago, and uh, started my first batch was uh, uh, Belgian wit beer. Turned out pretty good, so you know, kind of kept up with it. My background. Um, I was a pharmaceutical chemist for about 10, 15 years, somewhere in there, and uh, just sort of took, you know, that talent over to uh, the brewing industry. All right, that's awesome. So, what do you think homebrewers and, and, and folks who are doing a lot of homebrewing would like most about Flying Dog? Well, there's definitely uh, a lot of ideas that come out of here. <laughs> um, you know, if you take a look at our tap list and think to yourself, you know, I really want to brew a beer that has a certain ingredient in it. We've probably done it once. <laughs> we may even have it on tap now. That's awesome. So it's good for, you know, comparison, research. Got to do the R&D, right? Right. Drink other people's beer. Absolutely, as often as we can. Are you still doing the uh, homebrew competition? Absolutely. Uh, my favorite event, and I'll give a, pro a plug to the American Homebrewers <laughs> Association, um, my favorite event is uh, National Homebrew Conference. Right. I wouldn't yeah. miss it every year. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. This year's in Portland, Oregon, right. so it's going to be a good trip. Yep. Yep. Well, we joke that part of the reason we do this podcast is so we can go to those things every right. year long <laughs> and have it totally Free sponsored. trips to NHC. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So when you do the experimental beers, do you have separate equipment for that or...? Well, yes, yeah, so we have, uh, I think, one of the original uh, more beer tippy-dump systems. It still says, actually, beer, beer, and more beer on the front, so it's like their original business name from way back in the day, and that's kind of my baby. It's a 20-gallon system. We've got some 20-gallon uh, conicals, and uh, so it's all glycol-jacketed like a real brewery would be. It's kind of nice to have Fantastic. nice equipment. And we also have a 15-barrel system that's kind of hidden in our brewery, too. So besides the big 50-barrel production system, got kind of a little pub system that we get to play with, too. Wow, that's fantastic. I love this place. I love the experimentation that you guys do and the different things you try. I like particularly the heat, your heat series. The spice beers that you guys make just blow me away every time with the jalapenos and habaneros and the other things. It's just... It's, it's just out of this world. Really enjoyed the rye beer as well. Yeah, the uh, heat series is really something that's not really in my wheelhouse. Uh, <laughs> ben Clark, our brewmaster, it's kind of his baby. He, it's, he really likes the chili beers, but, uh, you know, from the learning process, as, you know, for me was all the different flavors that a chili can have that's not just, you know, burning your mouth off. Right. So, um the the hottest one we have up there right now is the scorpion pepper and it, you know i think the flavor on that scorpion pepper is one of the most interesting flavors besides the heat that there is out there so i might have that to try really that cool. yeah in addition to the beers i love the names and i know there's a dog theme but a couple questions i have one how do you come up with the names and second specifically how did they come up with raging bitch Wow, that's a whole story in itself. 
We uh, have a pretty great marketing team here, of course. Some of the names are, you know, through, through um, brainstorming meetings, a lot of them will just come up sort of, uh, you know, naturally, I guess. Um, it's a little all over the place. Uh, Raging Bitch was sort of one of those things where uh, we got this uh, Belgian strain of yeast and it's, it's pretty active. We have to be really careful or it makes a huge mess in the cellar. And I believe it was Jim Caruso saying, wow, that thing's, you know, it's just raging all the time, you know. And uh, one of the ladies said, yeah, it's like a real raging bitch, you know. <laughs> and then that's kind of really how the name just came done. to be. You know, we were a little apprehensive, of course, because, uh, uh, you know, the name can seem offensive to other people. <laughs> and we kind of, you know, played it out with the ladies and, in, the, in the office and, and everything. And, you know, the feedback was, well, now if you don't call it that, you know, we're going to be offended. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And I, I think it's been a cool, you know, if you can get past the name and, you know, look into the story, it's one of those things that uh, defines our brewery as, you know, we may be a little bit irreverent, but we're still respectful of, you know, other people. And, uh, you know, we, we want to be edgy, but at the same time, we want to be classy. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Todd, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your taking the time. Tell us uh, these stories and uh, about the philosophy that you have and the experimentation that you've been doing here at Flying Dog. Absolutely. All right. It's a great thanks time. So Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thanks very much. We're going to be talking to a couple of other people here from Flying Dog. But in the meantime, Adam, what are you drinking right now? I am drinking Tropical Bitch. And it's very, very good. Tell us about it. It's not terribly fruity, but it's a very good beer. It's, it's a little hard to classify, I'd say. I mean, definitely, you know, pale ale, but I don't know. It's, it's just a very nice beer. All right. Once again, nice. Everybody take a drink. Well, I am trying the, the Honeydew Jalapeno, which... I want another one, <laughs> to be honest with you. No, 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 I should try something else and not just have this one, but this has got just a great grassy flavor with a really nice spicy jalapeno top note. Jalapeno's got a really clean pepper flavor that goes really well, and there's just enough of that tropical fruity honeydew flavor to keep it just sweet enough to balance the spiciness. Loving this beer but I can't drink another one. I gotta try something else. Who's got a suggestion for what I should drink next? I think you should try the rye beer. What are you trying? The tropical? The tropical? All right, I'm, I might have to try the tropical. It's got a very nice aroma. Very, <laughs> that's where the tropical comes in. All right, what am I gonna drink? I would try the rye. I had the rye before Tropical Bitch, and it was, the, the rye really came through in that The rye. Beer. It's very enjoyable. I think they use a uh, rye bigger part of the grain bill than normal. I almost went for a second one, but figured, yes, I should try something else. <laughs> for, the, for the folks at home who aren't in the tap room with us, uh, Flying Dog Brewery is in Frederick, Maryland. It's about an hour north of Washington, D.C. And they also have another uh, brew house at BWI Airport in Terminal A. It's a tap room, really, not a brew house. Tap room, yes. Yeah. 
they don't brew there. So like, if you're taking a trip here, you can drink at the airport, or if you get come a to the brewery, and when you go back to fly home, you can drink there again. Or check it out on a layover. Yeah. Like that's the thing. If you get laid over in BWI and you got a couple hours to kill, go find the Flying Dog Tap Room. Try a couple, just a couple. You don't want to, you don't want to piss off the flight attendants. Yeah. And the uh, tap house at BWI opens at 5 a.m. Perfect. So no matter how early your flight is, you can get a good beer. Really, no matter how late your flight is. If I had like a 2 p.m. Yeah. flight, and <laughs> show up at 6 a.m. <laughs> hang out at the tap room for a while. We're all live, and we are extremely fortunate to be talking to Kyle Chittam, who is the head of forecast and fulfillment here at Flying Dog Brewery. He's gonna tell us a little bit about distribution, planning, and the, and the kind of stuff you do to really make sure that the brewery's output is, is at peak and where you're sending your stuff to. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, so glad to have you. Um, so yeah, currently uh, we just actually the new BA, uh, new BA uh, release of released the, their new craft beer rankings yesterday, um, and we, we moved up from 32 to we moved up from uh, 32 to 28. So that's pretty exciting. So the 28th largest in the country. Uh, currently we're uh, distributing uh, 25 states, uh, DC as well, and then we have uh, some export sales. So we. Uh, we uh, export directly to the UK, uh, China, and the Netherlands, and then also um, some uh, some other countries uh, without, within Europe: uh, Spain, Italy, uh, France, various wow. others. I didn't realize you guys distributed into Europe. Yeah, uh, it's about six percent of our sales overall. Really? Yeah, the the That's export impressive. market. That's totally impressive. Yeah, so we'll um, we'll put out about forty-eight beers this year uh, into full production. So we have uh, nine year-round styles. Uh, we, we have one beer that we produce year-round, but we do not sell in the United States. Um, it's a session IPA. It's called Easy IPA. It's actually a beer we used to produce domestically. Um, market changed a little bit, but uh, due to some, some things overseas, the, there's, there's a lot more regulation around ABVs, and especially places like the UK and Australia and um, kind of British uh, countries or former British colonies and things. So. Um, we saw a good demand for that session style over there uh, and in continental Europe as well, so we, we've kept it going. But yeah, so nine year rounds here domestically and then between uh, seasonals and uh, different specialty beers and then we do a series of variety packs. So the variety packs will spike your, your count a little bit because you're doing three and four beers right. per, per release. Um, but yeah, I just counted it up and 48 is what we have currently on the schedule this year. That's amazing. That's and fantastic. that actually doesn't include any beers that we do here in the tasting room off the pilot system. So we have a number of beers on that we do on the 15 barrel, or sorry, uh, yeah, 15 barrel system here. And, um, and those are just gonna be you know draft only things you can get here for a little bit. Um, it's pretty cool stuff, but that doesn't include those. We'll probably do 20 or 30 of those beers. So it's a lot of stuff for sure. The brew teams, it's a, it never cease to amaze me. The Fantastic. styles they're cranking out. Do you have a best-selling beer? We do. Um, Raging Bitch is a, a Belgian IPA, um, and that's our number one brand. It's about 26% of our sales, and it's been, been the flagship for a few years now. Um, it's kind of a hybrid style between the, the Belgian and then the IPA style, and it's, it's really taken off. It kind of pioneered that style, created that style, and you see some other breweries doing it now. But, yeah, and then we have 
uh, the truth, which is an Imperial IPA, mm -hmm. which has really come on strong for us lately, is, has kind of surged into the number two spot. Um, you see that with Snake Dog, IPA, Bloodline, Blood Orange Ale as the kind of the core four that make up with the variety pack, which they're all in, uh, make up about uh, 68 to 70 percent of our sales total. Yeah, can you tell me a little bit about the Blood Orange? Because that sort of came out of nowhere, and I fell in love with it right away. Yeah. Um, it just exploded as a... Yeah, it's done, it's done really well for us, specifically on draft. I think we see it as a beer that uh, markets well to kind of a wide range of craft consumers. You have the, you have the hop aspect, but then you also have that, that, the citrus, and, and we don't market it as an IPA. So you're kind of capturing those consumers that are, you know, have in their head that they want to stay away from beers that are hoppy, or they assume all IPAs are hoppy. So that beer actually was originally a collaboration with uh, Reyes Beverage Group. So they're a, a large group of distributors across the country that we mm -hmm. work closely with here in uh, Maryland, D.C., Virginia. We also with them in uh, South Carolina. And uh, we did a beer collaboration around the Craft Brewers Conference, I believe. Um, and that's how it started. It was just a one-off thing we did, and it really, really worked out well for us. Yeah, definitely, because it was one of those, I, I, when I first saw it, it might have actually been here in the tap room when I very, when the first time that I saw it, and I had some and fell in love with it. And then when I saw it in a store, it was one of those, like, well, I have to get this, because I assumed I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be available for very long, and now I can get it whenever I want, which is great, but yeah, <laughs> it's no, amazing it's, it's like your number four beer. Yeah, it's and and, and locally um, over the last year, it's, it's Snake Dog is, is up there too. But it, it's probably our be it is our best selling with Snake Dog our best selling draft beer. So we see a good amount of um, good amount of movement on draft. I mean, it does well in package too. But for you know, it's it's a little more approachable right. uh, than some of the other like a beer, beer like Raging Bitch. So that's why I think we see it do so well. Yeah, especially on, in a in a draft, uh, draft market. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, what prompted you all to just start doing the contest with home brewers so that they could brew on your system? Even? So I think that that's something we've always been kind of, kind of interested in. Actually, I think uh, I'm, back in the day, uh, we actually used to do kits where home brewers could buy kits to, that, and they could then make our beers right, uh, on, their, on their home brewing system. I think we, you know, our goal is always to, to grow craft and, and, the, and uh, educate people. So uh, that, that education piece is something that's very important to us. And I think that, you know, anytime we can get people here and involved in learning about craft and, and growing the, the sector, then that's something we're always about. We're doing a variety pack that's releasing early April. Uh, it's called East Coast Hot Project. And it, really? um, <laughs> so it's, it's three beers. Uh, they're all... Uh, partnered with farms on the East Coast, so uh, two of them are in Maryland, one of them is in upstate New York. That's a big thing we're about is the, you know, the East Coast hop, uh, the viability of East Coast hops, and understanding that, you know, w you might not be able to produce the same hops the, that we see come out of the big farms in Idaho and, and uh, in the Pacific Northwest, but there could be a style of hop that grows very well in this climate. And so, you know, our brew team with, uh, in partner with the University of Maryland uh, Agricultural Arm are working to, to try to see what that might be. And so the hop, some of the hops and some of these beers that, and actually we just did a beer, Field Notes, Pale Ale, uh, which is all Maryland malt and uh, hops. So that's pretty exciting. So anyway, this East Coast Hop Project, we have a beer in that that's a rye pale ale. And uh, I got to try one of the original pilots of it and it's, it's pretty solid. Um, and we're I'm doing a regular pale that. ale uh, and then an IPA in that. So this should be pretty cool and just 
it's it's not often people get to you know on a on a large production scale drink drink beer with East Coast hops. So it'll be pretty neat. Well, it's great to bring great hops. Do you guys grow hops here? You guys do do grow we some do. hops here. Yeah. yeah. Are you experimenting with those, or are you brewing with them? Or? Yeah. So usually we have when it's in the season, we actually have some that run along the building. Um, those are more just for show. But then out there, um, mm -hmm. kind of on the other side of the barn, there you can see some hop hop vines. Yeah. I mean, it's it's too low of a you know a, a yield for us to really do much with it. But we do a beer in the fall called Secret Stash. It's a harvest ale. Um, we used to package it. We didn't this year, but you never know if we, we might again in the future. And I, I believe we used a little bit of some of the hops from that, from those vines out there in that Excellent. beer. Now, when you all started, it was as a brew pub in Colorado. What prompted you all to move to Maryland? Yeah, so, yeah, it, the brewery started, it was a brew pub in 1990. And then um, in 94, the production facility opened in, in uh, Denver. And then in, in 2008, the brewery, we, we, had, we were able to buy this facility. It was formerly owned by Frederick Brewing, Brewing Company, and um, we were able to kind of just come right in. The move was, was based on a realization that, well, first of all, that Denver and, and California were a pretty saturated, an early on saturated craft market, but also a realization that we were actually selling most of our beer on this side of the country, despite being a brewery based in Denver. And the fact that we, we saw some more untapped potential out here. So the, originally, it was a split move. So they continued to brew in Denver, um, but also worked here. And then it just got to the point where we realized that it wasn't going to be cost effective. And we were, we were growing so quickly out here that we really wanted to dig in and, and uh, focus. So the goal has kind of been, since that move, to dig in from North Carolina to New York over to Ohio and have that kind of be the focus footprint. Mm -hmm. In 2009, those states uh, were 40% of our sales. In 2017, those states were 84% of our sales. Wow. And that's throughout a period of time where the brewery grew by 138%. Wow. So it's not that the volume dipped in that that allowed us to grow market share. We truly dug in. Maryland, for instance, alone went from 13 to 33% of our sales since that, since that move happened. So a third of your sales is, is, in, is in your home state, Maryland, right? That's now. correct, yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah, it was just a, a, good, a good timing kind of thing. And, and there was an opportunity. And, and you know the, the ability to come into a brewery of this size with a with a bottling line in place with a with a top of the line uh, bottling line in place already was another big perk because yeah, that's absolutely. that doesn't really exist. <laughs> right. um, so that was that was pretty nice. And at the beginning we were you know we did some more stuff with um, with contract brewing and things because the facility was larger than we needed given we were also brewing in Denver still. Um, but now we are. We, we need every, we never, every inch of space we can get here. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Our COO, Matt Brophy, he actually just spent some time overseas um, working with a brewery in the Ukraine, I believe. I actually don't know the details of the project, but he was over there. And we have, like I mentioned, the export, we have some great partners over there. Um, we're actually, actually, this is sort of a collab. We're doing a, an incentive with our partner in Spain and hmm. in August, if they hit their goals, they, they set with our, with our distributor, they're actually gonna come over here and uh, brew a beer here on the pilot system and then um, go have a big launch party for it in Madrid and everything, so. Wonderful, yeah. I'm, I'm, certainly, I'm certainly hoping they hit their goals because I want, I want that to happen, that'd be pretty neat. That sounds fantastic. Well, listen, Kyle, thank you very much. Uh, we've been talking to Kyle Chittam, who uh, heads forecasting and fulfillment here at Flying Dog Brewery. So pleased that you joined us. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.
Joining us is Kristen Hanna, who is the Director of Hospitality here at Flying Dog Brewery. Kristen, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. First thing I want to ask you about is tell us about the tap room that you have here and tell our audience about it and, and why they should come and visit like this particular tap room, like why they should go out. I mean, it's, this is Frederick, Maryland, so it's not that super close to a lot of stuff, right. but why should they like take the trek out and, and really check this place out? For sure, I think our tasting room really focuses on an experience. Um, we really work really hard to make sure that it doesn't feel like another bar. So everything that we do is intentional as far as having flight sheets out with information. Our beer stewards are all Cicerone certified. Um, so we do a lot of training, and we really want you to come in with questions. And even if you're not sure what to ask, you can talk to any one of these guys behind the bar, and they will talk your ear off about a beer. So we really focus on making sure people walk away with, hey, that beer was really awesome, and I learned one thing that I didn't know about beer. Um, so I think that the unique experience here is why you need to come here. And Frederick is cool. So even though it's not close to everything and we're not D.C., we're not Baltimore, we have a lot of really nice restaurants downtown. Uh, we have really awesome people, and I think it's worth coming to check us out. Can you talk some about the events you have here, especially annual events? Yeah, of course. Um, our events program is always evolving, which I think is really fun. Um, last year, we did a Tom Selicon. So everybody dressed up. Um, we had mustaches galore, even for the women. And it was a great time. So things like that is what keeps us um, you know, on the edge with events. So not everything is always annual. We kind of like to do something just as shock and surprise. Um, but something that we do annually that is one of my favorite events is uh, actually coming up on April 20th. It's the Pink Boots Society release party. So the women of the brewery actually brew a beer from start to finish. And we raise proceeds for Pink Boots Society, which um, does a scholarship fund for women in the brewing industry. Yeah, it's really cool. We feature other women-led businesses in here, um, and it's a great time. And then I can't go without saying summer sessions. If you guys haven't right. been to a summer session concert on we our have. lawn, yeah. okay, it's we oh, violent. That was kick-ass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So definitely the concert series. You just can't get that intimacy of like feeling like you're at a brewery, but also seeing a really cool band that just doesn't exist in a lot of places. And yep. it's really cool to be able to do it in Frederick. Yeah. And having really good beer while you're at a concert. Absolutely, for $5. For $5, yeah. Yeah. right? That was, <laughs> when, the last one we came to, that was what was so impressive to me, is, is you guys totally could have charged $8 a glass. Don't, but you could have. And we wouldn't have thought anything of it, but the fact that you didn't, and it was just like, you know, five bucks a beer, yeah. just made it so much like... So hospitality driven, like we really yes. felt welcome. You yeah, know? Like we don't, I mean, we don't want to give the beer away because it's obviously valuable right. and you want people to be safe. But at the same time, we're not, you know, we're not trying to make a million dollars off of the concert. What right. we really want is people to fall in love with Flying Dog. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, we certainly have fallen in love with Flying Dog, <laughs> no question about it. One of the very unique things about Flying Dog is the artwork both here inside the tap room, on your labels, um, on this buy local uh, banner, basically, that you have on the side of the wall. Tell us about the, what, what I mean, I know, but tell, tell our listeners what makes the artwork here so incredibly special. 
Yeah, we are extremely fortunate to be working with a world-renowned artist, Ralph Steadman. Um, and that actually happened uh, back in 1990 when we were founded by George Stranahan. He knew Hunter S. Thompson. Um, and so Hunter S. Thompson, very well known for his gonzo style journalism, um, was working with Ralph. And uh, I want to say about 1995 is when Hunter just told George, like, you need to up your game with the art on, on your labels. Let me introduce you to this guy. Um, and from there, we had this really great relationship with Ralph. And we're fortunate that he still continues to do our labels to this day. Um, and he's actually doing a tour later this year in the U.S. Um, in D.C. Really? Yeah. So oh. we're really stoked to be a part of that and to really show off his talent. So That's fantastic. Yeah, we're well, very he, lucky. He has such a he has such a an original uh, style for his art, and of course, anybody who's seen anything that has to do with Hunter S. Thompson has seen Ralph Steadman's art. Um, but it, it, obviously, there's a lot more to it. Does he do everything? Like I'm looking at this, you know, when you buy local sort of poster here that's in the Ralph Steadman style and I'm trying right. to figure out did he actually do that or no so he does every label every um, label wow. and then our, we have a graphic design team that does pieces like this on the wall so right. we do have to work with Ralph for permission on certain things um, but essentially we want to do it in a similar style without mm -hmm. copying him so it's a challenge for the graphic design team but I think they do a really great job of emulating him without copying absolutely. him absolutely absolutely it's, it's very close. Now, the, but the art on the walls in this tap room is actually Ralph Steadman's art. Is that correct? These are prints. Um, but it's, but, it's but, his, but it's it is his art. art. Yes. Not, it's not original. Yes. It's not the originals, yep. but they're prints. But this is, in fact, his, he, he's, he, this is his, his actual sure is. art. Are these prints for sale? RalphSteadman.com. He does all of his own uh, selling, which we respect, you know. Sure. So, um, yeah, but all of those, all the prints in the room were used for a label at one point in time. Fantastic. That is so. amazing to have uh, that kind of relationship with somebody uh, who's so famous uh, and such, a, such an original, amazing artist. Yeah, I feel like we pull in fans sometimes who just recognize the art. They'll say, oh my gosh, it looks so similar to Ralph Steadman. I'm like, well, funny you say that. It is. Yeah, I, well, I can tell you for certain that the first time I ever noticed Flying Dog was somewhere where I saw a label and immediately recognized the art and was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. That's yeah. like, I know what this is. I know exactly what this is. And yeah. um, that was long enough ago so that so that I still remember it as being in a store somewhere and it might not even have been on the East Coast. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we were really one of the first breweries back in the day in the 1990s to really change up labels and really focus uh, marketing effort on the art on the labels. And now you see that a lot more often, but right. Ralph really was a pioneer as far as getting uh, world-known, world-class art on bottles. So the first time we came here... All we could do is do a tour and take, have some samples. Mm -hmm. Now you're able to sell pints and do other things. How have the laws affect your sales here? The Maryland laws are tricky um, and pretty restrictive on what you can and can't do. In fact, we were the first brewery to have the tasting room sales over the bar and we had to create 
that uh, law for Frederick County. There was nothing in Frederick County when we were trying to make this happen, so we were the ones advocating that they create this new license, which is called a Class DBR. And, you know, I think the challenge is that we believe that everybody has the right to set up their own business and make it happen, and we want all breweries to experience that in the state of Maryland, and the uh, powers that be don't always agree with that. So um, it's a constant struggle. It's going on again in Annapolis currently, um, and we're hoping that they'll finally see, you know, how important it is to the economy of Maryland that we really breweries, wineries, distilleries, we can make an impact and help all different kinds of industries grow um, from agriculture to retailers and wholesalers. We really think that, you know, one day they'll realize that it's going to be beneficial for everybody. Fantastic. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your being here. We appreciate all you do to make uh, Flying Dog Breweries such a welcoming and, and awesome place to hang out and, and to try beer. Anything else you want to tell folks about Flying Dog before we go? Um, if you haven't tried Field Notes Pale Ale, it's a 100% Maryland-made beer. Uh, we were able to get 16 kegs, and every year we're hoping to double that, and we're hoping to see that uh, statewide people are able to make enough ingredients to make more Maryland-made beer. So definitely come check us out, and thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much. <clears throat> so I think overall, Flying Dog, Definitely a brewery you want to check out. It's they have amazing beers. It's a great atmosphere, great events. Their servers are so knowledgeable. You can ask them anything about their beers. Definitely a place you want to come if you come to Maryland. If you get the chance, stop by. If you get the chance to go fly through BWI, see if you can schedule a two or three hour layover. Like, that's really a great opportunity for you to try Flying Dog beers. Adam, I've had a great time here at Flying Dog Brewery. How about you? I've had an amazing time. We've really got to thank Todd Kelly, Kyle Chittam, Kristen Hanna, and, of course, John Tuchowski for making our day here possible. We want to thank everybody who has been in the studio audience, and we want to thank Ellen Daniels, Karen Kruger, and Patty Mallon for helping us make this live recording of Brew Daddies possible. And if you'd like this live recording, please subscribe to us on iTunes Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere. Great podcasts are free. And remember, drink good beer.